right, so our objective is to co-labor with Christ as both priests and kings to God so that the glory of the Lord will fill the earth, right? Turn in your Bibles to John 17. Let's start in verse 22. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father for those that would believe in the words that he spoke and the words of his disciples. So basically, this is the prayer that Jesus prayed for you right before he died. And so it's kind of important. This is what he said. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that, that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, listen, I want to fill them with my glory so that the world may know that I love them and that, that, that my glory is in them. And so he, what he wants to do is he wants to fill the earth with his glory and that glory is you. Come on. In Numbers 14.21, God made a promise and he said, and, he, and, he, and you know, when God makes a promise and when he makes a declaration and he swears in his own name, he says, but truly as I live, this is God saying this, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Say all. 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 And so our, our job description is really to be about the Father's business in making sure that the glory of the Lord fills the earth. So what I want to do this morning is I want to focus on this new priesthood because Jesus came and he initiated the new creation, right? He initiated the new man, which is also the new priesthood. So we don't function in the Old Testament priesthood, but there is a new priesthood model that we are to function in. So turn in your Bibles to Revelation 5, and we're going to start there. This is such a cool um, chap uh, chapter, Revelation 5. Okay, what's going on here is John is looking and he's seeing in heaven and he's seeing the throne room in heaven. So the doorway has opened, right? That's the access to heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So what is he doing? He's looking with his eyes and he's listening with his ears and he is seeing and he's beholding this whole scenario and this whole scene that's happening in heaven. Now this is real. This is what's going on in heaven, okay? So he sees the Father in the throne, and then he sees all of the funny-looking uh, creatures, and he sees the 24 elders and um, four living creatures that look really strange. And what they're doing, what are they doing? They're worshiping, right? 
They're worshiping the Father. So they're around the throne day and night. They never leave him, and they're worshiping him, and they're singing songs to him. And in chapter 5, verse 1, John says this, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, and it was sealed with seven seals. So he sees the Father, and all of the sudden, in his vision, he sees the Father's right hand. And the Father has gripped in his hand a scroll that is written on the inside and on the back. And there are seven seals that have sealed this scroll. And it goes on, and a strong angel with a loud voice says, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth, which I think is interesting, under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to take it or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. I, and I looked and behold in the midst of the throne of, and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the whole earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the father. <laughs> Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they did something that had not been seen before in heaven. They sang a new song. So, Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, prepared the way for something new to begin to happen on the earth. It says this. This is what the song was. Are you ready? You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Okay, so what do, what do they do? They, they are singing and they're praising him. Worthy are you. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. You are worthy to open these seals for you were slain and you did what? You redeemed us to God by your blood. That's the how. How did you do it? By your blood. You redeemed us back to God by your blood. And then he says, who? Who have you done this to? Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And, he's, and then he goes on and he's like, okay, what exactly have you done? So the summary in the viewpoint of heaven that Jesus did when he came to the earth is as follows. You have made us kings and priests to God, and now we shall reign where? On the earth. Isn't that interesting? Because you don't really hear a lot about kings and priests anywhere else on the, in the Bible, except, of course, in chapter 1 of uh, Revelation. 
But this is what heaven is saying about what Jesus did. It is the summation of all of that in the new song that they are singing. All right, now, what my, my objective this morning that I want to do is I want to paint you a picture of the priesthood that Jesus walked in. So let, turn in your Bibles to um, Hebrews 6. Interesting to note that in Revelation, when they were singing the new song, they were not singing about the fivefold ministry. Were they? They were not singing about, you have made us disciples. They were not saying, you have made us ambassadors to Christ. No, they were making a point to say something, and this is, the, this is my summation of what the priest and the king is. It is the internal government of God that is now gone within man. That we will function in this reality before God and before man. It is the internal government of God that has gone within man. Right? The government will be on his shoulders and of its increase there will be no end. Okay. Hebrews 6. All right. So we're going to talk about this guy named Melchizedek. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say Melchizedek. Melchizedek, Melchizedek. I'm from Dallas, so I say Melchizedek. Okay? All right, so um, how many of you have heard of this guy? How many of you know him? Okay, about half of us. All right. We're going to read in chapter 6, verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner, the only place in the Bible where forerunner is mentioned, and it's attributed to Jesus, not John the Baptist, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So he's talking about a priesthood that is different than the Old Testament priesthood. So what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do is he's trying to establish that new priesthood and define it based on the revelation that the Lord is giving him from this guy Melchizedek. All right, so who is this guy? Uh, uh, Look at chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, that's what Melchizedek means, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Okay, King of Salem, that is Jerusalem. That's what that is. He, that later it was named Jerusalem, but um, that's what, what, what Salem is. So, King of Peace, so King of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, he was without, verse 3, he was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. All right, so basically he's saying, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, this was the pre-incarnate Christ, which means that Jesus showed up on the scene as a person, and he came to represent himself in the Old Testament. So cool. I know, right? Melchizedek. All right, so 
This, these three verses tell us who Melchizedek is. It tells us, number one, that this guy functioned um, as both the high priest and he functioned as a king. So he functioned in these two offices or these two branches of government. Now, in the United States, we have branches of government, right? Which are? What, David? I'm sorry? Judicial, executive, and something else. Legislative. <laughs> this is what couples do. Help them out. Legislative? Yeah, there we go. Woo-hoo! All right, so those are the branches of government, right? And they work in tandem. Supposed to, anyway. Ah, yes, they do. Praise the Lord. Bless our government. Um, all right, so they work together, and so does these two branches of government, the priest and the king within us. All right, um, let's read uh, da, 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 da. Let's read on a little bit further. I, I'm actually not going to read it, but I'm going to go ahead and, and summarize it. In, in chapter 7, verse 11 through 19, the writers of Hebrews goes on to make the... Um, to make the case for the Melchizedek priesthood. And, 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 he, and he says that there was a priesthood according to the law, but that priesthood is no longer. And this new priesthood has come because Jesus was born out of the tribe of Judah. So it was necessary for him to be born through that tribe, which was from the lineage and the king of David, right? Do you get that? So he's really coming through the line of the kings, not through the lines of uh, line of the priests. So he didn't come out of Aaron, but he came out of David. Isn't that amazing? So he's, he's talking about this new priesthood and how this new priesthood will function. That's pretty exciting, right? Can you get me that board? I did a whiteboard for you guys today in the spirit of Jeremy Shuck. I'm typically a PowerPoint person, and, and can you put it up high? Because the people in the back, I've noticed, I've seen the poor people in the back, they can't see because I've been back there, and I'm like, what is that say? All right. <clears throat> so, <laughs> ta-da! All right, so Hebrews 7, 11 through 19 supports the evidence of the new priesthood as both priest and king. All right, so just as a new covenant was established um, with us, so the new covenant has been established, and just as it was when Melchizedek uh, met Abraham. Okay, do y'all want to hear the story of Melchizedek before we go on? Because I kind of skipped over that part, but it, it, it is kind of important. So um, I'll tell you the biblical significance of this guy and where he showed up in the Old Testament. So he came in in Genesis 14 during the time of Abraham. So Abraham's hanging out, and um, there all of a sudden broke out this war between all of these kings. And the king of Sodom and some of his kingly friends, and then you've got these other eight kings, what they did is they went in and they ransomed and uh, took all of the people in Sodom, including um, um, Abraham's nephew, Lot. Okay, everybody has a relative like that that's always getting taken captive, right? And he's like, I gotta go save him now. So he's like, he's like a, a, a shepherd, right? And he, so what? He, they don't have have weapons. So he gets his three hundred guys, right? These are his servants, and he's like, okay, we gotta go rescue Lot. Well, the Lord was with him, and he ends up conquering these eight kings, getting all the booty, and taking it back. He's gonna take it back to. 
the king of Sodom, right? He's got Lot. He's got Lot's family. So he's taken everything back, all the women that they took. So the king of uh, Sodom is really happy about it. So you have this, you have this scenario where here comes Abraham and he's got all of these people and he's rescued all of their stuff. And then you've got the king of Sodom, uh, and, and Sodom and he's coming down to get all of his stuff, right? He's really excited about this victory. Well, so they meet, uh, they're about to meet in the valley of Sheva, but before they do, this guy named Melchizedek comes on the scene, and he's got with him wine and bread. And so he's come to Abraham before Abraham meets up with the king of Sodom, who was an unrighteous king, and, and he presents him with the body and the blood. And he blesses him in the name of God Most High. So, so basically, it's Jesus presenting himself the body and the blood, right? So then he, uh, after that, he disappears. And after that was the breaking in of the new covenant that God established with Abraham. Okay? Then, when the new covenant was established, the promise was given, I am going to make you a father of many nations. And so then onwards and upwards, um, he began to have more authority with God. And he was actually a friend of God. And God began to tell him what he was going to do to Sodom right before he destroyed it. Right? And, and remember, uh, Abram was, was saying to him, you know, if there's only 50 that are found righteous, will you spare Sodom? Okay, if there's only 30, if there's only 10. So he went in and, 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 and really was in a position with God after that point when the Melchizedek priest and king came upon the scene and blessed him and gave him the blood and the body of himself. And then the new covenant came and then the authority came. Okay, you got it. All right, so, do y'all like my drawing? All right, so the priest and the king, basically functioning as a priest and a king makes you an agent of the impossible, okay? And that's what the Lord needs. If it were possible, we'd be like the Kiwanis Club or a country club. We'd all be golfing, right? But we're not. We are people that have the glory of God in us. Then we give away and we create the impossible everywhere we go. We make the impossible become possible. We function in this realm. We bring heaven to earth everywhere we go. And that's what priests and kings do. So let's look at that. Okay. How do you function as a priest? It's basically this general area right here, priest and king. Mm -hmm. It's the mug. It's the face. All right. So as a priest, we have our eyes and we have our ears. What do we do? We see and we hear. We go into that place of prayer. We're sending up incense before God. Now, pay attention to the blood and the body. Because when Melchizedek came on the scene, he presented himself as blood and the body, right? So what, what, what did the angels, uh, what were they singing? That was a new song. You have redeemed us back to God by your blood. So what does that do? It gives us access to the inner holy of holies. So the blood that was offered opens the door to heaven so that we can see and hear what God is doing. 
And so we're sending up incense before God. And how do we enter? We enter through thanksgiving and praise, worship, praying in tongues, and then unto what? Ministering to the Lord. I love you. You are holy. You are worthy, O oh God. Right? All right? John 17, I only, 517, I only do what I see and I only say what I hear. Jesus understood how to function and to access this realm of heaven and then bring it to the earth. So we send incense up. It's the up and down deal. And then down comes the thunder of heaven or the word of the Lord. So this is how kings function. Kings function with our mouths. That's basically the, 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 this is what happens. We see it, we hear it, we release it. So kings function in intercession. And a lot of people think that, that intercession is part of the priestly role, but it's not. Because intercession is releasing what you hear God say. Right? So, so we deliver intercession, testimonies, declarations, prophecies, words of knowledge unto building up, tearing down strongholds of the enemy, ruling and reigning, and bringing heaven to the earth. That's what kings do. And that's what Jesus did, right? This is the ministry of Jesus, and this is how he functioned. Isaiah 61. Make those crooked places straight. Okay, I have to turn this, but I'm not really very good at it, Jeremy, since you are like whiteboard expert man. <clears throat> All right. So, here we are. We're functioning as kings and priests. Do you remember um, what Jesus said that... that, that that his disciples were his disciples because they did the will of the Father, right? Basically, functioning as priests and kings is the essence of quantum physics. You see something, you acknowledge it, and then you bring it into the natural. You see something, you acknowledge it, and then you bring it into the natural. That's what quantum physics is. It's science. <laughs> That's all I know about quantum physics. Don't ask me to go any further than that. All right, so here's what we do. As priests and kings, we get revelation from heaven. And again, here's a list of all of the ways, the testimonies, the prophecies, the words of knowledge, the revelation of the word, which is apostolic teaching and prophetic worship. This all falls under the category of functioning and revelation. Well, that revelation actually creates faith, right? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the word, the rhema word. So the word has come from heaven because the priests took the time to go get it, right? Timing, got to spend time in prayer, okay? So took the time to go get it. And then um, James 2, 22 says what? Says that, that faith without works is, is, is dead. I mean, you have to actually activate faith. So if somebody gives you a prophetic word, what do you do? You're just like, oh, that's nice. I think I'll write that in my journal. No. You take that and you agree with it in prayer and you begin to speak that out of your mouth, which then will quantum physics it and get it back into your camp. 
or into your wallet or into your body you know come on all right so you got to activate it you got to do something and that's why you hear bill johnson all the time he goes through this he goes through this when he when he um does his whole healing things okay we're going to get a word of knowledge for somebody now, do, now he prays for, okay, I got a word of knowledge about gallbladder. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to pray for your gallbladder. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Now do something you couldn't do. What he's doing is he's having them activate their faith and to step out and do something they couldn't do. Which, of course, leads us to, come on. Impossible. All right, come on. I'll, I'll count three. One, two, three. Right! So much fun. I may do whiteboards every time. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the phrase, and they shall know that I am God, is mentioned 134 times in the Bible, and it's always followed by power. The way that they will know that God is real is when you begin to function in power. But if you, if you don't go to the place of prayer and get the revelation of God, then you will be minimized to arguing doctrine, which is going to get you nowhere. It's eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we are ambassadors, priests and kings who have the full governmental authority of heaven living on the inside of us. The high priest in the order of Melchizedek did a swan dive and he dove right into you when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and you were saved by the blood of the lamb. Yeah. It's time we start living like this. Because without power and healing, you know. There's no harvest. Without power and healing, we're not functioning in the fullness of what he died for. Amen. And it says that when we do function in this, he says, then, then we will be filled with the fullness of joy. I love it when people get healed. All right, so what, I'm gonna, what we're going to do next is I've asked some people to be praying about um, healing. And we're going to show you this. Um, I've asked some people here to get some words of knowledge. And we're just going to uh, see what the Holy Spirit does. Won't that be fun? So, But first I want to tell you some testimonies of healing so that I can create faith so that the impossible can happen. Okay? There was a time when, um, I guess it was a couple of years ago, one of my favorite healings. I'm going to tell you some of my favorites. I mean, we see it all the time, but these are some of the, uh, the top. Uh, there was a woman that came in, and she came in on a scooter because she had had uh, surgery on her knee or her, her hip. I don't remember what, but she was a pretty young woman. So she's got one of those little scooters. Do you remember that? Heather. It was Heather. What did, what did she have done? It was... Anyway, some sort of surgery that went bad. And she had been on the scooter for about six months, so she came in, we prayed for her, and she walked out, and they took the scooter out behind her. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times that we've prayed for people that have come in on crutches. Either they've just had surgery, or they've broken a leg, or they've sprained an ankle, and they walk out, and somebody else is carrying their crutches behind them. We should keep those and put them on our wall. <laughs> Come on. Alan did. Hey, Alan did. Benny Hinn. 
hello, we can be cool. <laughs> of course, that's not exactly in the design handbook, is it? No, okay. Yeah, right? All right. Um, another one of my favorites is Suzanne's ankle that was hurt. What did you do to it? Do you remember? Was it torn? Was it a torn ligament? Okay, well, anyway, it was, she came up as a torn ligament or something, but she had like a club foot and, um, and it was black and blue and it was swollen. And so I said, okay, we'll sit down and I'll pray for it. And I prayed for it and nothing happened the first time. And so I prayed for it again, which by the way, you have to sometimes pray several times, which is cool. That's okay. Um, Jesus did it. So anyway, so I prayed a second time and, and the swelling in her foot went and all of the bruising disappeared. And I was going, you know, you're like, did that just happen? What, what, it, what, what, how? Oh, and Sandon saw it from the stage and he jumps off the stage and he came down, oh, I just saw that. <laughs> I was like, good, I'm not losing my mind. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we should be the healthiest people on the earth. It's like Obamacare, what? <laughs> if we call this God care. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, so we've seen shoulders and back. Uh, we've seen scoliosis healed. We had a girl who's, yeah, I see you, Mason. Mason was the one that prayed. And the scoliosis in this girl's back, it, it cracked. Didn't it crack? Yep, it cracked. And I mean, bam, it was, it was, whole, she was, it was straight. It was aerial. We've seen deaf ears open. We've seen cancer healed. I mean, so, so God is all about the business of healing, and we're going to see some healing today. Amen?